welcome to the Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. I guess we call this the West Coast Edition since two of the three of us are out here. Daryl, you're enjoying San Diego? Absolutely. But plus, we can tell it's um, you introducing it because you get the title right. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, how are things in the East Coast? Any uh, hurricanes or Donald Trump sightings? A lot of snow. We've actually had snow this week. Um, it's, yes. it's been kind yeah. of crazy. Daryl, your friends out in uh, in Belchertown had seven inches of snow. Um, well, it's, when it's, I left on Friday, I had four or five inches. Really? But, yeah. um, it snowed great. in Indiana, too, where my daughter yeah. lives. Yeah, so we, we've had some snow. We've had some rain. Uh, you know, we, we actually had a little bit of a thunderstorm yesterday. Um, but you know, I, I just made it back from, uh, my son's little league practice. We had practice from five 30 to six 30. So happy to be here talking to you gents, Matt, you're welcome. Can he hit? Can your son hit? We're working on it. <laughs> Matt, you're welcome to come out here. You and Jill can have the bedroom. I'll sleep on the couch. The kids will have to pitch a tent in the backyard. I think but... uh, we'll, we'll leave them here in mass. Unless you, you send them down to Daryl, send them down to San Diego. <laughs> a grandparents, a grandparent weekend. Daryl, you have to go back to work soon, don't you? Sadly, Monday, Monday. Yep, yep. Are, but I'm a, I'm a different person going back. Name, <laughs> rank, and serial number. Are you? How do you? So, Daryl, can we talk? Can we? Can I ask you some questions about this? About yes, going, absolutely. How? So you've been on um, waiting for your vaccine to to get full swing. So, well, here's the story. So April fifth, which was the day that the Massachusetts commissioner picked out of a hat as the day that everybody <laughs> in the elementary schools had to be back in the buildings. Mm-hmm. I received my second vaccination. I'm 72 now and I have pre-existing conditions. And at the time I got my second vaccine, I was not fully protected. I had to wait two weeks for the protection to then. And that, that I was put on unpaid leave, unpaid leave, yeah. couldn't use sick time couldn't use um, personal days, couldn't use vacation days. Well, I'm, I mean, that, that, that's weird, but. It's totally weird. And it's like, you know, the superintendent made it into like, there was nothing he could do. Full, you know, there was plenty he could have done. You know, he could at least have made an effort, just like my principal could at least made an effort. Yeah. You know, they didn't make an effort. They just, and it was, so, you know, it turned out to be wonderful. It was like two weeks off. I mean, not wonderful for my kids because I just disappeared from my class. Disappeared. Fortunately, I had a student teacher, and so she ran everything. What do you guys think? I I know I didn't prep you with this question. Um, I I recently read there are a few schools out here um, who are going to be making it mandatory mandatory vaccinated for enrollment in their schools. I believe UMass is one of them and Smith college. How do you guys feel about that? Are you all 100% right? 100% right. Yeah. yeah. 100% right. Yeah, I agree. I'm for Even, it. So I'm, I mean, if you, if we think about it, when I, when I, I'll be me, when I first read the headline, I didn't like it. Um, but then actually like 10 seconds later, when you process it and think it's like, well, you know, as a college student, you need to get a few vaccinations anyway. Right. Right. You have to have your mumps and your measles and given the fact that it is an experimental vaccine, does that, No, it's not what's experimental about it. 
Well, it it's is. still classified it as is. experimental because it, 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 oh, it, it so they didn't have time to run years of clinical okay, trials. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and that's the argument really that you hear from the, the people who are still resisting. That's what you hear. And, and, you know, part of me understands that argument that it is. But for me, the you have to weigh the, the, the risk of getting it. 500,000 dead. Well, and, and just having, having been through what I went through, actually having the virus, I there's no, I was going to be first in line the minute I could get it. And I, yeah. you know, but I do understand that being, that's the one concern I, I can actually, my my head can, can grasp it. And the other thing too, no. for me, and again, it, 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 it's not so much, I'm not coming at this from personally because I, I am vaccinated um, and I don't have college age kids. Um, but I do kind of, if, if Daryl, your point there, there have been a lot of deaths, not so much in the college age demographic and well so, but that's who's dying now that's who's dying now not so much not so and, much uh, but, but no I, right, and, right i mean deaths I, are I down do but think, i just i come people, back to like it's your choice and well but matt we, know, have to be, we have to be more concerned about we have to be concerned about more than just the deaths directly from the virus because we don't know the damage right. that it does and someone could come out of it seemingly healthy someone could come out of it not even knowing they had it and end up with lung damage or any of a dozen other things that are popping up among people that, that have had it. So I think to say that there haven't been X number of deaths in this age group yet means that we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't apply the same protections to that age group. You know, the same, same thing applies when we talk about school age kids who up until now have been too young to get the vaccination in most states. But we'll be, but we'll be getting it soon. Yes. But I, I mean, so, but when it will get to me personally, like, I, I guess I, I struggle with the, you have to, if, if I were, I'm, I'm, and I'm asking this question because honestly, the science, I don't fully understand. If I'm not vaccinated and Daryl, you are, Joe, you are, and we're in the same, uh, you know, lecture together. Um, I'm wearing a mask, even though I'm vaccinated, because you're if, not. If it's my choice not to get vaccinated. What additional risk is that to either one of you? Huge. If you are vaccinated. Because, Huge. First of all, the vaccines aren't 100 percent effective. So if I have I, a 5 percent chance of cancer, 5 percent chance of catching the disease, I want to be in a room full of people who've also have a 5% chance of transmitting or catching the right. disease, not right. se- not where 70% of them are at 95% and the other, are, the other 30% are at mm-hmm. zero. That's, that's, that's where you're, if the vaccine was 100% effective and we knew it meant you couldn't contract or transmit it at all. Sure. That argument's valid, but that's not the right. way vaccines work. But also if you remember uh, president Baldemart, um, our previous president, um, he talked about herd immunity. You can't have herd immunity till you've had 75 to 80% of the population vaccinated. So it's a little bit like the mask argument. If you don't wear a mask, you're endangering other people. You're not necessarily endangering yourself. You're endangering other people. It's the same thing. If you don't get vaccinated, you're endangering other people. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, it's it's not so personal to me. 
I just, I, I don't know the, the whole, you have to, and I realize, look, it, I just like, I have a choice whether or not to get vaccinated. I have a choice whether or not to attend school, but now you're putting a kid's, uh, but, but wait a minute, Matt, let me back up a second and ask you a question. Yeah. Do you have a choice of vaccinating your kids so they can go to school? For, no. for uh, whatever it is, not, measles. No, uh, but, but I'm, but I, no, but I, wait a minute. I no but so the answer is no, you have to, but you're going to have to do the same thing. Experimental. I am on the fence, whether or not I give my kids this experimental vaccine. But, I haven't read enough about it. I'm on a six-year-old, whether or not I want to give my six-year-old this vaccine. I don't right. know. No, I know, I, but I let's talk about adults. You the know, only reason yeah, yeah. It's, it's the only reason it's experimental is because it was developed so fast. Usually, yeah. vaccine vaccines are uh, del, you know take ten years, and there's plenty of time to run the test. They haven't had time to run the test, but there's no doubt that you know they, that these vaccines work. You know, they're ninety ninety five percent effective. In other words, they work. Yeah, so I'm they not, just I'm haven't not. they just haven't run the experiments. That normally, you know, yeah. that, that with time you run. Right. And I'm not I, I, that. I crack right. jokes all the time, but I think, you know, it, it's entirely possible that five years from now we could find out that this vaccine causes some other thing and that that's not True. out of the question. And the other thing is, you know, there we're, we're three middle aged white dudes, but there are significant populations who have been victimized by vaccine trials in the past and you know just look up the tuskegee experiment if you don't know what i'm talking about so i I can understand the suspicion around something that came about so quickly and those thoughts went through my head but again you have to weigh what the benefits potential benefits are versus the potential damages are of of either making either decision but the problem is matt like you said if enough people choose to not do it then we then we've got a bigger problem because you don't then then the the impact of 60% of us getting the vaccine doesn't really do any of us any good if there's 40% that have it right but right. do you think i mean i guess so that would lead to another question of do you think where would those numbers lie like i would imagine the majority of college students would be vaccinated well, they have to be. Most colleges, I think, so, are going to require it, just well, like the two yeah, you that, mentioned. That's my, I just, I don't know. I, it, we don't, I, we don't have to talk too much more about it. I just thought it was interesting. I read it. I knew there were a few Massachusetts schools that were requiring it, um, and I, I'm, I'm less on the side of making things absolutely 100 percent mandatory. I, I believe in it being our choice, almost. You know, but I, wait but, a minute. But you don't, t- you don't have choice on the measles, or I don't even know what. Um, what vaccines you need to get your kids enrolled in public school. I guess it's measles. You don't have have any choice on those. I don't have the choice to walk into a crowd of 10,000 people and shoot one of them in the face. But if you're not getting vaccinated and you're going to transmit the virus for another year, then you're going to kill one out of the 10,000 people that you encountered. So I, you know, I I think when it matters matters of public safety, you don't, these are things that, we have to give up a little bit of choice for it. I think, you know, if you want to engage in certain activities, you want to attend a college, you want to send your kids back to school. What about what about going to a, a basketball game? Do you, or a concert. Do you, 
Right. Do you, should you have to be vaccinated to go see the Rolling Stones or go see uh, go to a Yankee game? Sure getting an education. I mean, I don't getting an education. Essentially, if, if you're telling me I'm I'm required to get a vaccination to get to college, you're basically saying my education is dependent on this vaccine. Nope. You can that's, go to school online. You can. That's your choice. Not, you want to make that choice. Make that doesn't choice. Have to be my choice. Going to a concert is different than go, getting an education. Right. Okay, you guys. Fair you enough. Guys, right. Um, so uh, that's again, it, it's not a personal, th- I, I am vaccinated. I, I, I don't have a problem with adult. I, I'm on the fence with my six-year-old. Um, but you know, I just, when I hear that, all right, right now, 18, 19 year olds have to make a choice of a quality education. Sure. I can, I can go to school online. It's not going to be the same education as it is in person. I can't do online. Um, so I have a choice of quality education or a vaccine. And for whatever reason, maybe I have issues with it, um, you know, but I guess I, I hopefully people get vaccinated and it goes away. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I don't know what the likelihood of that happening is, though. You look at you look at the way things are going. It's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's not as uh, as and, definitive as I would have hoped at this point. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting now. I think um, what is it? The CEO of um, did we talk about this last week? I don't remember with the third booster, needing the third oh. booster, I believe, for the Moderna shot. I think after six months, is that what they're saying? Yeah, I think so same. Now, same I mean, is going to be think for about Pfizer. That rollout. How are you going to roll out? You, you're, we're still trying to get people in their first dose, second. I, dose. But I think I think when that happens, um, you'll be able to get it at your local drugstore. It won't yeah. be a big deal. Yeah, but yeah. you got some people who haven't had their first dose yet. Well, I think it, in six months, everyone will have everyone who wants to get it will have had their first dose. I right. Imagine. Like we're over in the country, we're over 50 percent of the country has yeah. received the first dose. And, and Oregon, who is, who is way behind now, we're at 56 percent or 58 percent. So yeah. I, my yeah. my second shot is next Friday, actually. Nice. 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 Oh, yeah. So I might be a this, you might, might be yeah. a mess. Next yeah. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. That might be a tough show. We'll, for you. we'll carry you. We'll carry you. <laughs> you always do. <laughs> anyway, so so we are kind of moving from one serious topic to the next, and hopefully we'll get to some sports uh, eventually. But um, we kind of have to talk about what happened on Tuesday, which mm-hmm. you know the the Derek Chauvin verdict, and you know it's it was I think a surprise. I I I've tried to do what we've tried what we've done on certain shows where we just sort of have to sit back and listen and. So I tried to listen to the voices of my black friends and black voices in the media. And there was, it's almost like there, it it wasn't, this wasn't seen as a positive thing. I think white people are tending to look at this as a breakthrough and a huge, huge thing. But I think it was just kind of a relief that something tragic a second tragic thing didn't happen because the the truth is that the tragedy still stands. George Floyd is still dead, and right. the and it took like a perfect storm of evidence to convict this guy. And it took the police chief. It took the police chief doing something that that police officers don't right. do, going right. into court and saying that this was in violation of of district, you know, of, and, and several other police officers too. But the thing is, did you have you read what the first what the police report was when the when the crime first happened? No. Medical 
uh, a, a person dies from medical condition. That's the police report that was in this case. So very vague, huh? No, no, it was very clear. He died because of a medical problem. Yeah. Well, which isn't something that, you know, I, the, the medical examiner was going to do their own investigation regardless. But I think, you know, it's there's there's nothing. If there had not been a film, if there had not been right. the 17-year-old taking the video, that might have held the day. Yeah. But you know what? I, I think let's – I mean, we could – Say the the what ifs, or if there wasn't, I, I think I, I, I'm glad there was. I'm glad there was, and I'm glad, you know, to me, what it comes down to is, and, and, and this is a big word we'll probably mention a few more times today, is the accountability. I, I unfortunately, it's easy in the past, it's been very easy for police officers to do the wrong thing and simply not be held accountable. There's no other way to do it. Um, Which was Chauvin's face as he sat there on Floyd's neck. Like, what are you going to do to me? That, that was sort of, as I take it, you know, that was him saying like, and we've been through this before. We'll be fine. Like we're not going to, we can get past this. There are people who will help us get through this, you know, and, I hope we're at a point now when, when it really just comes down to accountability, we need, there needs to be accountability. And if someone, anyone does something wrong, they need to be held accountable just like anybody else would. And, and, you know, I was glad to see that accountability was fulfilled. Um, If we could back up a second to the way Joe introduced it, which was that, um, um, you know, that, there was some relief that this happened. The thing is, this happened to a, bl- a white police officer with a black um, client, uh, not client, uh, uh, a person. And the thing is, this happens more than once. Um, and so, yes, so for one time, only because it was a perfect storm where the video and everything was there, it was irrefutable. That doesn't mean, so, and I think, so blacks feel, okay, so this was good, but is it ever going to happen again? What's going to happen the next time? You know, there's several blacks killed by white uh, policemen in the last three three weeks. Three since Tuesday, since his verdict came down. So, so Will, so if you're a, if you're a, African-American, do you believe that all three of those officers are going to face charges? Well, and the we'll, answer we'll, is probably not. Well, we'll see. So, if I mean, is... that's why they they don't feel the same. Like a lot of us feel, man, this is finally it's a, a, there was a just, you know, finding. But I think that, you know, uh, African-Americans look at it with a little bit of skepticism. They this is one time. Well, that may not even be a black-white thing so much as it is a pessimist-optimist thing. You know, it may just it may yeah. just have because I I think I look at it cynically as well. I don't think this is the this is the beginning of a huge transformation in the way these things are are handled. But well, right. let, let me. I, I get your points, and 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 I get it. Um, I guess what I'm looking at and 
if, if accountability is ultimately what you want, and, and I, I think it's fair right now, you're, it's easy to say if it's a white cop um, and a black victim, but, and I know that that's the issue, but if we just try to accountability, regardless of black, white, we want accountability. And I think even seeing like what happened in Ohio, Daryl, and, and I'm assuming you're counting that as one of the black victims, yeah. like that was actually, in my opinion, handled the way it should have been handled. And even the, 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 mayor, Is this the one, are you talking about the one that LeBron tweeted on? Yeah. And, and so how that was handled where the transparency and the news conference hours in the past, this would have tried to been covered up. Right. right. That's no, that the, was real positive. The police re, released body is, cam yeah. right away. I don't think it's fair to count that as, well, another white cop killed another uh, black person in the streets. That was that was a justified in my I'm not a police officer. I think that was justified. Um, and, but how that was handled with the police chief and the mayor holding the news conference, releasing body cam footage to the public immediately. But Matt, why was that? That was because people have protested. Exactly. Protest makes changes. Isn't that? Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm, that's so because of the protesting and the George, that is what's happening. So now it's, you're going to have accountability because now it's not going to be, well, let's look at the body cam footage first and let's pick and choose what we release to the public. They released it to the public. And, and I realize that can make things difficult if there's charges or an investigation or a trial or, or something like that, because you do have to be careful what the public knows, but there was transparency. So now as a public, as, as, as a citizen, now you can say, they're not they're not sweeping anything under the rug and and you can see it with your own eyes can can we though we can say this one department did in this one instance yeah. we'll Fair. see what happens yeah. in the future let's right. yeah. but i think that, you so, know i think one thing we should say in defense of police is that they get called to do things that they're not trained for and that there should be other agencies in society that go out for a you know a suicidal person or a, you know um and that there should be, you know, just these um, red flag laws that allow relatives to, you know, they have a, a relative who's threatening suicide, you know, uh, which is a recent case. And, you know, the, those things all need to be part of it. The, you know, the police are put into these situations that um, it's, it's impossible job. That, that's unfair yeah. for them. Yeah, I, I've, I've, got, I've got a friend who's a New Jersey state trooper and he goes, he went to Puerto Rico to help with hurricane relief. Like he does a lot of that sort of humanitarian work for them. And he said a third of what local cops do should be done by a social worker. Yes. And yes. that's if we took and that's what people mean when they say when they say defund the police, people think we're we just want to take away their cars. No, we're going to. Right. It's take, a, it was a, it was a poor way to describe the situation. It was. It was yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they should run that. They should have run that by PR yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, I mean, and that's really that's really what we needed. But the thing is, I I have to say that the whole thing makes me feel kind of positive that things are moving in the right direction. You know, I know that some people think it's 
It's not, but I do think it's moving in the right direction because for one thing, you know, if we can help police not have to answer to the, you know, the crazy person climbing up on the flagpole, you know, um, that instead an agency that deals with, you know, mental illness can be called out with a police backing if they need it. Yeah. And they, yeah. they are starting to do that in Oregon and especially in Portland, as yeah. you would expect to, yeah. to lead the way in Seattle too. So, so we'll see, we'll have some models for it. And I guess, you know, Minneapolis is probably going to be, be at the front of that as well. Now, um, Matt, why don't you bring up the uh, LeBron tweet? Because that was very interesting and I thought he handled it well. I did. I think he, so I'll give you the background first. Right. So he, after this um, incident in Ohio, woman uh, had a knife. Yeah. So there was, there was a fight in the street. Police were called. I I think there's also questions as to why it took the police so long to get there. I know that was an initial question that was unanswered. Um, But the, the, the woman, the the 16 year old um, girl, she did have a knife. Um, and she ended up being shot by the police. Um, LeBron had a, uh, tweeted out a picture of the officer and said, with the caption, you're next, accountability, hashtag accountability, right? Um, and I think that there, everything that we've talked about, that's an understandable initial reaction. Here we go again, right? But once more information came out, and I think once LeBron caught wind of the facts and, and saw footage and, and um, educated himself on the situation, he took the, the tweet down. And I think rather, and, and he came out and, and sort of explained why. And, and I think, you know, he, he was wrong in that initial tweet, but he, he rectified it. He, he fixed it and, and he, he not hiding from it. He fixed it. He admits to making the mistake. Um, and I think that I, I, that part is admirable. Um, you know, so I, it was, that's how the, the sports world ties into it. You know, the athletes now have their platform and, and I give LeBron James credit for using his platform for good. Um, and when he realized he made a mistake, he fixed it. So, uh, since, you did mention the word sports and uh, you know, we're probably halfway through. Um, let me just talk about the sports things I'd like to talk about, which is the NBA playoffs coming up and then their, their um, over scheduling of games and the injuries that have mounted up uh, because of playing too many games in too few days. Also um, there's a competition for the NCAA for the star basketball players, a new PCL league. Um, I'd like to talk about baseball uh, the, the universal DH and, and, uh, and then, um, oh yeah. And then of course that fascinating story of the super soccer league that came and went. Yeah. Let's start, let's start there because I've heard some, some, a little, you know, talk about maybe a football super league coming in the next, you know, if, if Uh, okay. Well, first off, let's not even go there, but let's just back off and talk. All this was, was a bunch of billionaires, playing together at their little club and just deciding what they were going to do, that they were going to take things into their own hands. And the other thing is they totally, so the reason that billionaires got interested in soccer is that people that follow Manchester United and Leeds and all these teams, um, they love them. 
they have like it's they are following it because their parents and their grandparents followed that same team and lived and died with it. And so they that was why they realized that it was a good investment because it had such a loyal following. And then they just were sitting at their club, the you know, the rich guys club and said, let's just do this super league so that we don't have to worry about maybe going down into the minor leagues for a season, because if right. you don't perform, you, you get knocked down. Right. And, and so the thing was, it was born and died in about two days because <laughs> as soon as the reactions of the fans, and then more importantly, the reactions of the players, it was like, you know, it just was born and died. It was awesome. Well, it may not be dead. The rich people are trying to keep it alive nah. still, but, but uh, yeah, nah, no, it's dead. I think this was a really interesting, I mean, cause nothing, no one had ever tried to put anything like this together before, but yeah, like you said, Daryl, it was just a, an opportunity to get around relegation and still make money. But like you said, also th- these guys, the Stan Cranky and all these other guys who bought these teams got into it because those, those clubs, you know, Liverpool and Manchester and Juventus have they have the highest brand some of the highest brand loyalty of any brands corporate brands in the world so these guys saw that and they they wanted a piece of it which you know like you guys love the Yankees I love the Red Sox you know we that's part of our you know we really do love them and have loved them for a long time that's worth something to the teams yeah, I think I think you guys maybe still bleed a little little more Celtic green, Yankee blue than I do uh, in, in either respect. But it's tough to watch the Knicks uh, do so well after I Whoa, sort of renounced. Whoa, it's awesome, isn't it? Julius Randle is the most improved player in the league. He is yeah. he's phenomenal. Well, he's a different player under under Thibodeau, I think, and Thibodeau. Right, but he did it on himself too. He really, I mean, maybe Thibodeau urged him on, but he he really worked. It worked and worked and his, his, um, he wasn't a good three point shooter and now he's a great three point shooter. So do and we a need good to passer. Say, do we need to say anything other about the super league than, than we hate it? No, no. Okay, good. But I yeah, just loved we, how fast it disappeared. But this, um, this NBA, I've, I've never looked forward to an NBA playoff so much as this one. There are, 12 teams that could win the title. We don't know if the Lakers or the Nets are going to be healthy enough. Yeah. This is going to be bizarre. I'm going to watch every playoff game. Like it's the NCAA tournament. Daryl's moving on us now. It's like the Blair witch project. Oh, there, yeah. we go. there you go. Um, yeah. You know, like, I, I really don't watch too much basketball, but this week we've been on vacation. And so, you know, I've, I've been able to watch a little bit of, get up and first take in the mornings while I'm drinking my coffee. Um, but between you, they have the, the first, uh, I believe seeds seven through 10 are going to play in an additional, you know, it's uh, bizarre. So, you know, that, that I think a team like golden state who right now is 10th in the West uh, they, and no pun intended. Well, pun intended, they have a shooter's chance with Steph Curry, you know, I mean, Steph Curry. Did you see? Did you see the uh, left-handed shot he made against the oh, Celtics? That was incredible. I did see. That, that was the most amazing shot I've ever seen you in know, my life. You put a team like that up against the seven seed. Hey, and all it's going to take is 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 one lights out performance from a Steph Curry. Um, and so you know, I, I that will be added excitement. The fact that the the Nets and the Lakers might not be going into it healthy. I love. Um, I would love to see 
I, I would love to see the Nets and the Lakers watching the finals. I, I just... I would too, but I would just as much love to see them play each other in the finals healthy because that would be unbelievable. Who knows? Those teams might not be intact next year, the way things shuffle around. But I want to hear, Daryl, are you going to say that you don't like the play-in? No, actually I do. I think it's great. And I like like all this tinkering around because it's really like the 65th team in the NCAA playoffs and you know, and, and who was it? The guy that, that was at uh, whatever team it was got to the finals, right? The, um, they were in a play-in game. See, you know, let me play a little bit. I, any time you have an opportunity to add more teams to your playoff, I think it's a good thing, um, especially in basketball ooh. because ooh. Ooh. it keeps – Joe, it keeps fans interested. It like if you're, you, if you you're in Portland right now, aren't you loving this – Fact, isn't Portland tenth? No, they're seventh. Then they were they were oh. fighting for fifth. So oh, so that's they, why you don't like it. That's why you don't like no, it. I, because I love, they could I, get knocked out. No, I love the play-in. I love that idea. But I think allowing more teams into the playoffs doesn't necessarily make things better. I'm okay. I'm going to play the old man, grumpy old man thing here. But I remember <laughs> back when in baseball you had to win your division. To yeah, there were yeah, two teams that made it. There were two divisions yeah, in each league. Like, but as a longtime Red Sox fan, and like the, the Red Sox up until 2004 or whatever it was, didn't win anything ever. They were out of the they were out of the series chase in June. I think the problem <laughs> it solves in the NBA is tanking because if you've got all but one or two teams in each conference that are at least right. in the in the running in the for those spots, right. and I think between that and maybe tinkering with the lottery odds a little bit, maybe give those teams that, that miss out on those last two spots or lose those playing games, give them more ping pong balls. I'm not sure exactly where the math works out, but you know, I, I think some combination of that and we, maybe we've seen the end of, of tanking. Well, here's, here's why I and Joe, that that's exactly what I was going to say in, in the, in the NBA and in baseball, I think they play too many games. Oh yeah. Season, right? but see, unfortunately that's not going to change because of money. No, it, it won't. That's what I mean. So, but because of that, that's why I like allowing more teams into the playoff because how many, my, one of my big criticisms of the NBA is that the regular season is meaningless. Essentially it, you have, you have teams and players. That's why your, your star athletes, I can take, I don't care if I lose a few games because I'm sitting out. If we make it to the playoff, when we get into the playoff, then we're ready and, and you get real hard. Right, but, but Matt, actually the, the seeding makes a huge difference. If you're number one or two seeded, you have yeah, a much not, better chance of making it. He's come out and, and essentially has said that. It doesn't matter what seed we're in. If we're in the playoffs. It yeah, but that's because of LeBron. That's, that's not. That's because they've had Anthony Davis out half the year, and they're they're going to be a very underseeded team. They shouldn't be a right. seven, six, or seven seed. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think. Like, though, the other, just the other thing about the NBA, too, is that home court advantage is really significant. So higher seeding does. Except this year. Except this year, well, uh, last year it wasn't. Right, right. But, it's back to normal this year, even without boy, the crowds. I, you know, having the fans back is huge. Even if those only 3,000 fans, yeah. it's huge. What I don't like, though, like baseball, I, I like more teams in playoffs, but I it can't take away from their the game. What I mean by that, baseball is a game of series. Right? You, you build a team to win 
two out of three, three out of four. A one-game playoff in baseball, I don't like because it just totally sets that team up for a major discipline. You're going to pitch your ace in that one and done, and then you're not going to have your ace aligned with the next round's ace. But wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to use the Matt Baker argument here. If if they didn't want to be in the one-game playoff, they should have won more games. And and that's what I was going to say, but I I like having bigger playoffs, but keep it, keep all those playoffs uniform, relevant. So it's not just a one and done. How many many rounds of seven game series do you want? Make it a three game game series. You could, you can play baseball three nights. That's one weekend. I love, I love the idea of you want to allow six more teams in, make those last eight teams play a one game play in playoff play a round Robin right, right, one single right. elimination. You get right. three extra games. You want to get three extra right. games, but let's know what? No, there's no reason. Right. No two games, cut, no three games. Then you have to cut the regular season back. If you're going to do that, if you're going to add that many right. games to the schedule. And it's already, there's two it, it's, seasons go on too long. I'm talking um, about in, in baseball. I'm talking of no more than two extra games. You already play a one game play in make instead of a one game play and make it a best of three. Yeah, I'm talking two extra games. Wait a minute, but you're not talking about with the ninth baseball. Who wants to watch? Sorry. No, you know baseball is really—it's killing itself. The the pace of the game—it's just now they are doing some really cool things. Um, They are in the minor leagues. They're adding a foot in in the Atlantic League, a foot moving the mound back a foot, which could really make a significant difference. Huh. Uh, that's and, good. That's, um, they need that's, to do. That that's seems, a good, but that's that seems, really good. That seems because like a really is, fundamental place to tinker with the game. I yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but I but it's a good one because you know what's happened is that the average fastball speed in the major leagues has gone up year after year after year, and the worst thing is the pitchers in the National League they never could hit. Now they're worse than they were, you know, a couple years ago. Um, you know, and it's, um, so it's really, uh, they have to, uh, they really have to, uh, I like, you know what? I like when leagues tinker with things to try to improve the project. I like it. I don't, I don't like like this one. I don't like this one because from age 16, from Babe Ruth leagues up through, the most elite major leagues, that distance is 60 feet, six inches. Your arm, your eyes, yeah, but, the pitcher's but body. The, but is the pitchers have too much advantage pitch. now. The <sighs> pitchers have too much advantage. The, they throw so hard. There's better ways to do it than lower the mound, open the strike have zone. Have you noticed up. that players are striking out at like 40% of the at bats? That, that's it's not, not fun to watch. It's worse than it used to be watching baseball. And it's I always been horrible. I agree. There's way too many strikeouts, but I, but I also think that's an analytics thing. Strikeout or hit a home run is, is a lot of mentality of, of baseball players. But I think what baseball needs to do, I don't think they need to fundamentally change too much of the game. I can't believe Daryl won't, won't allow a four point shot into basketball, but he's okay. <laughs> oh, moving the pitcher's on. mound back. They because because it's, it's not a, it's not an interesting product right now. Because yeah, that's not the place. Not, to, that's not the place to change it. Yes, Just, it is. You want more hitting. You want yeah, more but, hitting. But moving the mound back—that's that you're you're altering. That would be the last change I would make on a in in the baseball rule book. Would be moving the mound back. Wait a minute. Now who's the whole, who's the old fogey now? 
Well, no, but Daryl, hold on a second. Like, because I agree with you 100%. They need to make it more interesting. But I think what you need to do, you don't have to make it more interesting for the players on the field. You need to make it more interesting for me watching it at home. Again, I, I I know. In this respect, you're right, though. If you're talking about making things more interesting, you're right. That is for the fans. You're right. If you you're want, right. yeah. That I mean, if you, you want to, I was going to roll baseball. my eyes at that, though. Come on. If you want to save baseball, you don't have to save it. The athletes are going to be there. The athletes are going to play. You you know, you're going to get guys that play baseball. It's it. The league is struggling right now because it's not because they can't feel the team. It's because they don't have people watching. And it, what I think what as silly as the Nickelodeon mm. Super Bowl was. Yeah. That was cool. That was it was cool. And could right. you imagine if, if Nickelodeon or if if there were cool lights on a baseball field and, and you know slime shot up that you know <laughs> in, in these graphics, that's what you get that's how you get kids to watch. I'm well, sorry. You know, here's, so here's the good news. Stuff. That's what baseball needs to do. Here's the good news. Baseball is hiring more women. So maybe they will bring a little uh, common sense into the uh, operation and make some good changes. Matt, are you watching? Do you watch Yankee games routinely? How many how many regular season games have you watched this year? Uh, Yankee games, two. Watched. I've listened to probably about seventy five percent of them on the radio. Boy, it's been miserable for you so far. <laughs> yes, what What are you doing while you're while you're listening? Uh, work around the house, yard work. I'm outside. I'm, I'm, it, I have uh, like a baseball is great on the radio. I love it. I love and, it. Um, and, I, yeah. and I think there's no substitute for going in person, but I think now that's a better experience. If you're going to a double a game or a, a mm-hmm. summer league game, a Cape Cod league game, that mm-hmm. is going to a major league game and, you know, spending $600. It's just, uh, it's gotten absurd. And and I think, yeah, Daryl, like you said, the, the TV product is, unpalatable and just i i just it's gonna have to make some changes but moving the mound back you can make let's make it level bring it down because the problem is daryl like all these pitchers have calibrated their arms to make pitches break in just the right spot for but they're too good but they're too good but if you're changing you have to change it at every level simultaneously you can't just change it okay but let's let's at least see what happens in the atlantic league this year and then next year, let's see what you have to say. It's going to be a maybe disaster. It'll be, maybe it'll be a positive thing. It's going to be a disaster because every breaking pitch is going to hit the dirt six inches in front of the plate. That's what's going to happen. Called that's my prediction of the year. And and honestly, and I don't think it's a matter of pitchers being too good. I mean, I get what you're saying, Daryl. And then there are a lot of strikeouts. I and the shift doesn't help a, a low batting average either. Ugh. Um, God. Oh God! You, know, you both God. got your boogeyman into this argument, Matt. Matt with the analytics I, and Daryl with the shift. Yeah. L- let me give you a couple statistics that are interesting, though. So Corbin Burns of the Brewers set a record or tied Nolan Ryan's record, I guess. Forty-eight strikeouts in his first four starts, and then this other pitcher, Shane Bieber of the Indians, forty strikeouts with no walks. Wow. Pretty phenomenal stuff. Yeah, maybe um, the pitchers are getting better. Oof. Yeah, that's that's remarkable. It's a swing and miss mentality, and and maybe I'm biased because that's what all the Yankees do is swing and miss. Right. Um, but you know the the algorithms and the analytics tell you you swing to hit a home run. 
and in a strike. Yeah, I know, but I hate analytics. I really do, even though I love math. But the thing is, you know what I miss is I miss the um, ground ball to the right side to move the guy from second base to third base. Small ball. You know, the the uh, sacrifice bunt to move him up. You know, all that stuff. That was good baseball, you know, where you played for one run. And, you, and you know, you I, I just liked it a lot. I liked well, it a lot. I'm telling you, that's the way to beat the shift is to learn how to bunt again. And I think everything. Oh, my gosh, that's the truth. Everything comes around in cycles. So if you know, who knows if if some some team decides that they're going to flip things in that direction and sign a bunch of fast guys who can bunt, fast I bunters, mean, and and can and can play defense, then then you know they'll win. And if they win, then everyone else will follow. So I, um, listen, one thing I do want to mention um, is you know how we uh, we're not supposed to say four letter words. And there's two four-letter swear words that I hate saying, FIFA, FIFA, I mean, and um, NCAA. But the good news is the NCAA has got this competition, this PCL league that's being proposed is for 16 to 18-year-old basketball stars. So they don't have to go to college and pretend to be a student for one semester, not taking any classes so they can play. 16, though? They're taking them out of high school? Yeah. I don't like that. LeBron James was ready to play pros at 16. So this is just for the stars. Yeah, but I I don't like like the NCAA getting control of those kids at 16. No, 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 no. No, the NCAA, it's it's an opposition to the NCAA. That's why I like it. It's an opposition. It's a a for-profit league. It's going to pay the players $50,000 a year. I don't like that at all, actually. I love it. I love oh. it. Anything, because like seriously, w- players that go to college should go for four years, get their degree, and you know, and if they're great basketball players, as part of it, you know, like this year the Celtics, one of their best players is this reserve Pritchard, and he's a four-year guy from Oregon. So you saying you saying once you enroll, you should have to stay for four years? Yeah, yeah, that's why you went. Oh. Oh, come on, man. Darryl, what no. happened? To, what, how does that benefit the athlete? If you go, go to college, you should be able because to lose Because if, any, you, wanna, if you wanna if you don't the a player that goes for one year doesn't want to really go to college. That's so because let him we're go, forcing let everyone him, that's because we force everyone to go now. We right. So everybody. now now they can make fifty grand playing in this pre minor league uh league and like the G yeah. League and then go I to like, the pro. I think that's for, uh, Portland has this guy. Also, Anthony. no, wait a minute. There's one more thing too. Is they're giving them college um, to uh, aid to go to college? When are they going to do that if they're in the NBA? They got Portland because they do it. They still do it. They, there's plenty of players who have gone back and finished their degrees. They can do it on the eleven million dollar rookie contract they signed. They don't need financial aid that they got when they were 16. Anthony Simons, the guard, third guard for the Blazers went to Europe and played for a year. Oh no, he played for right. a, played for IMG. Right. Some IMG. Right. Team. Right. This but, is the same this is that same deal. Let him let him go to Europe. I this seems this No, seems, no, let him stay in America and do seems, it. I, you know seems, like so you like it when he went to Europe. Well this is the same thing. It's just in America. I'll have I to do a little research on, on this on this league and see exactly yeah. the way this is getting set up. But I this sounds okay. this sounds uh sounds exploitative to me <laughs> I, I i i guess and and I'm, you guys will jump on me for this 
I said, I don't think that sets anybody up for long-term success. Um, like the idea that you don't, you're, you're not even graduating high school and you're going to get paid 50,000 a year. I, well, I, yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, and, it's, yeah. I think, I, I mean, I personally do think you, you should be, you should graduate college to play professional sports. I, I think that does nothing but help you. Now, I don't think you need to be forced into taking these silly good for nothing courses and classes. I think you should be majoring. in. Well, but you know what the problem Matt, with that is, is when you look at the stars in the, in the NBA, half of them are under 23 and they've been playing in the league for three years, you know, so you know, like a Jason Tatum. So what do you do, Matt, if you've got this system in place, this system for younger players who want to go right into the league, but then you're going to force anyone who goes to college to stay there for four years before they're draft eligible. I don't think, I don't think those two things can go together. I think you either have to have, I'm not, and I think, and I think if you're telling a kid after all we've talked about, oh, after all the the horror stories we've heard from NCAA basketball players, I can't believe that you would subscribe to the idea that a kid <laughs> has to stay at a school for four years once they enroll. No, no. So I this it's it's my utopian pipe dream, right? Like I'm not. I, I get that, and 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 in, in my if I were the 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 ruler of everything right i i would get the ncaa is rotten is disgusting but just the the notion you want to be a professional athlete professional uh you should have some sort of degree to go along with that maybe that maybe that becomes no 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 you should have to have the skills that's what it takes to be a professional athlete the skills you should need a degree so you mean lebron needs a degree in my yes, I I don't I what is it wrong with maybe it's a two year degree again it doesn't it's not majoring in business finance it's majoring in professional I would change everything I would how could he be any better than he is sport. right and now no but hear me out it's not because I I, I see it it's very short sighted and we can say LeBron James and sure he's one guy who's been playing for twenty years that is not normal. The average, the average length of a professional athlete's career, the NFL is like two, three years, Mm -hmm. right? In the NBA, I don't have this off the top of my head. Let's say, let's say 10 years. No, not even close. Five, maybe. Probably. Yeah. I was going to say six. Yeah. I see, I, I see it as a missed opportunity to give these gifted athletes tools that they can use to be successful post career. I think professional you're majoring in professional sports means you're learning about journalism. You're learning about financing money. We've talked about it before when it comes to domestic treating women, you're taking courses on how to treat people and what to expect, how people will treat you. Like, I think that's educating the whole person and I think that's just as important as allowing an 18-year-old to go make their millions and then be out of the league at 23 and now what? You could make it a one-year program, eight courses, six courses probably, three courses each semester or four in the fall, two in the spring, whatever, 
and and make it valuable. And I think that would fit well, actually, within the current system where we re- require one year. So if they want to, so have have that sort of program. Because I agree, Matt. Th- that sort of knowledge, those sort of skills, would be very valuable. It doesn't take four years of college to learn those things. Yeah, yeah. We could, we could teach those things in a year. So we could do that in two places: do that on the college campuses and have a one year athletes only, you know, try to get through in a year, learn some things that are valuable to you and also have these academies like this other league or this IMG Academy, have them do the same thing. I think uh, it's not going to happen, but that would be my, um, how'd you put it? My utopian pipe dream. Yeah. Well, I just remember like, and, and I believe, I believe it was Donovan McNabb. I, I, Look this up quickly. Um, he was he uh, he played at Syracuse. Uh, he drafted by the Eagles. Very successful quarterback. You know, Hall of Fame caliber. You know, um, resume for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm pretty sure he came out and and for the first two or three years of his professional career, he was like, I had to learn how to study film. Um, and I and I just remember when I heard that soundbite, I'm like. Wouldn't that have been something cool if you can take a college course on studying film, though, and learning how to break it down? Like, that would help you be a better professional. He should have learned that long before. I knew how to study. Well, my dad was a coach, so maybe it's a, a little – I might be the, yeah, the exception little, of the yeah. rule. But, but I, I knew how to break down. I was rewinding, clicking the clicker form when I was seven years old. If you're really interested, he would have learned how to break down film when he was 15 years I know, old. Right, but, you know, some things are hard. Think of Jamarcus Russell. You, you guys remember him? He yeah, played yep. quarterback for LSU. He went to the Raiders. He's like, I don't know how to read coverage. In LSU, they told me to throw the ball as far as I could, and my receiver was better than the DB. He caught it. He's the number one overall pick by the Raiders, and he's out of the league in three years. He didn't know how to read defense, but he had a cannon of an arm. I see Again, that's another missed opportunity. We could have educated him to study and be professional to use his – God-given athletic talent. It's funny because in a lot of ways, Matt, you want everything to be a meritocracy, but then you also don't want to leave anyone behind. Jamarcus Russell, with his work ethic, should should have been left behind. He didn't he didn't do the things he needed to do to succeed in the NFL. You can't blame that on his high school coach or his you know his college system. Right. They they, no. they were doing what they needed to do to get the most out of Jamarcus Russell at that point. And there are a lot of players that get lost. the The difference in complexity between NFL systems and systems anywhere else, with with the exception of maybe the CFL and the Arena Football League, I think those are the two that are comparable in complexity. But outside of those, it's a totally different different. Okay. Endeavor. So let me let me uh, since we only have a couple minutes left, let me bring up one more thing, which is the NFL draft is in a week. Patriots, which I know you guys could care less about the Patriots, but I want your advice on this. So they have the fifteenth pick. They need a quarterback badly. Should they're they trade, trade up? Here, here's what it is: they're going to trade that fifteenth pick for Tom Brady. They're going to get it. Back. <laughs> Wow, you heard it here Brady, first, That's folks. very funny. Brady wouldn't leave Tampa Bay. And right. Glazier, yep. Glazier owns one of those – he was one of those billionaire soccer owners that got into trouble trying to start the league. But should the Patriots trade up for a quarterback? Are you okay if they get Mac Jones at 15? I, that's what I wonder about. I think – right, I think he'll be available. But I think they need, a, I think they need that other guy, uh, Lance Jones or whatever his name is. Trey Lance. They need somebody who can run. 
That's the new quarterback in the NFL. They so you run. want him to trade up to one to get Trevor Lawrence? No, no, no. Just like up to eight and get um, Lance Fields. I think is his name. They won't get any. They won't get anyone better at eight than they would would at fifteen. The first first three picks are going to be quarterbacks, and those are going to be the first the top. Yeah, three Yeah, but there's some the other ones that that are decent, but the top three, more. but anyway, the top three so, Lawrence, the guy but, from BYU and, and so you're saying go one, don't two, trade three. up. Well, unless they're going to get it into the top three, then you're not going to get a better quarterback than is going unless, to be available. Well, to but unless, see, I'm not convinced. I think you can get a Mac Jones. I, I don't think any quarterback drops any of those five drop to 15. Right. But so, Mac wow. Jones might have to jump but, in. I, and, and look, as a Giant fan, I'm, I would love, love, love for the Patriots. I think at 11, you can get one of those guys. I would love for the Giants to trade back, take 15, because they need more picks anyway. Um, and I think like that 10-11 Cowboys-Giants spot, I think that's where the, the yeah. Patriots need to be if their guy falls. I mean, Mac Jones might go number three. Uh No. He might. That well, he's yeah. he's he's linked the no. The the Niners have been looking at him. Yeah, uh, yeah, which would be a mistake. But no, I think. they wouldn't have traded really, up. They, they wouldn't have traded up to number three to get Mac Jones. That's no. exactly why you trade up to, if you if Mac Jones is your guy. That's exactly the spot you yeah. want because you know Lawrence and Wilson are going to go one two. That that's if they think and if they really think this, I'd be surprised. This may just be a bluff, but. I yeah I I'd I'd be stunned if they actually take him, but who knows? NFL teams hey. have done a lot dumber things than that. So, yeah. so anyway, next next week we have four days of draft. Right, the first round is one night. You know they like drag it out at TV event. It's pretty funny. It's like watching a baseball game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Five minutes between anything happening. The number seven pick is in. You know, and you wait, and you wait. And you wait. And then and I want to th- thank my mom and I want to thank my coach and I want to thank all the players. That, you know, <laughs> Daryl, yeah. thank your Thank your son who's hosted you this last week. Oh, my God. Has it been great? It's been and great. Are, are you going to stop talking crap about the West Coast now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love San Diego. Well, I love Matt, San Diego. Matt, and Matt, it's OK where you live, too. Matt, <laughs> Matt can go over to your house and pack your stuff up and send it out. I know California needs teachers. So thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.